then it really doesn't matter how you act because the way you're being is a trigger for your wife who's super sensitive to emotion. Typically, male vulnerability is expressed within groups of men, you know, within their own peer group and, you know, very private moments. Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're going to tackle no more Mr. Nice Guy. And this is a topic I am particularly passionate about. As a guy who was born in 1959, I've got a real sharp and intense perspective on this. Last episode, we talked about why men can be good, bad, and ugly, all with the same qualities. And today we're going to talk about why we slip into these qualities. And it has to do with this thing that we're putting to an end, nice guy syndrome. So brief introduction, you know, 70 years ago, men were expected to be the primary breadwinners. Like we're talking about the 1950s here. Like my dad, he was expected to be the primary breadwinner and he was supposed to be strong, a leader. He was supposed to be emotionally stoic and he was all those things. My dad was also a very loving and caring guy, but he was supposed to get back on his horse when he fell off on it. There was not a lot of room for emotional availability. You know, when he had problems, he kept them to himself for the most part. He did not talk to my mom about it. And that all had to do with being a man at that time. And then the 60s came around and everything started to change. And uh, women's liberation kicked in and the roles of men and women changed. And, you know, turned it on its head, I was pretty much a stay-at-home dad at one point because uh, my wife was not available to do that job. And so the whole game changed. And my dad uh, had some of that experience through his divorce, you know, where instead of the kids going to go live with mom, some of us went to go live with dad. And so he got he got to be a, stay, a stay-at-home dad too while working full-time. It's, not, it's more like a working stay-at-home dad. So the demands of being present as a parent, not just a father, but a loving and emotionally available father, were very different for him and for me and for men today than they were only 70 years ago. And that is kind of the point of this episode. The change that has been driven by the massive shift in society in the last 70 years where uh, women are now approaching pay parity, where women are CEOs, where uh, it's okay and fine for men to be the caregivers. This massive shift over 70 years has driven a massive shift in what does it mean to be a man. And while women have been avidly defining, redefining what it means to be a woman, an empowered, impactful woman which women are and should be, men have had a sense that they've been disempowered in some way. And it's not really that they've been disempowered. It's that they've become confused about what it means to be a man. And one of the symptoms of that is being a nice guy in the face of not knowing what else to do. So basically, we went from Father Knows Best Mindset. If you never saw that show, uh, look it up in the Museum of 
television and radio. Father Knows Best was Best was an old black and white show all about a dad who had his pipe in his slippers and um, the mom cooked and cleaned and he provided and the roles of men and women were very, very clear. Men were distant figures of authority within the family structure. They were jovial and caring and strong, but the nurturing was left to women. And today we've got the rise of the involved father, where we change diapers, where we show up to school meetings, where men are in the PTA. And sometimes we, even though this is a desired outcome of equality, there's still almost a mockery of the hands-on dad. You know, I have, um, I have a client, for example, who's been divorced for quite some time, who really adores his child. He's really in his corner. He's emotionally involved and caring, makes, you know, puts him to bed in a loving way, stories, very nurture, very nurturing guy, wants to have evidence of all of his child's accomplishments up on the wall. And in the attempt to go from shared custody to sole custody, the mother of this child has said that it's inappropriate the way this dad loves this child right? That to be loving and nurturing is inappropriate. It's almost falling back to this 1950s image of what a man should be. But in fact, when a dad is a single parent, he needs to show up as the mom and the dad, just like when a mom is a single parent, she needs to show up as the mom and the dad, you know, unless they get remarried. And in both these cases, they're not remarried. And that doesn't mean that the dad tries to replace the mom under his roof. It means that to some extent, he needs to fill in for the absence of a mom under his roof, just as the mom needs to fill in for the absence of a dad under her roof. It's not a replacement of the other person, but it's the necessity of being emotionally available in a way that was not normal or usual for men, even in the 1950s and for centuries before that. And when they do, they're kind of... In his case, mocked as being a kind of uh, weak and unmasculine and maybe even predatorial. All right, that's beyond that term. It's interesting because there was no concept of paternity leave in the 1950s. In fact, there was no need for maternity leave in the 1950s because men worked and women stayed home. And now in 2023, everybody works and everyone stays home. And the concept of paternity leave is becoming as important as maternity leave. And the gradual acceptance and encouragement of this shows a willingness to embrace, at least intellectually, that men are equal caregivers, but in a qualitatively different way. Now, the challenges on a working dad are often that in the workplace, they are approaching life in that male, linear, disconnected from emotional way. And then when they come home, they need to put that on the shelf and be emotionally present, which is something that, you know, men have less connection between the right and left lobes of their brain. And so switching gears is a little more of a challenge. You know, men, they can do it. We can do it. We can learn how to do it. But it's has historically, it's not been something we had to do. 
And so there's a whole new role of men in these dual income households. Uh, and at the same time, men are at risk of appearing toxic, of appearing as if they are in some way thinking that they're superior to women or that they're trying to keep women in a role that they no longer wish to be in. And they find themselves in this tough space of, all right, so what does it mean to be a man? Being a man no longer means uh, being John Wayne or, wow, I keep thinking about Keanu Reeves in, uh, well, there's a whole series of Keanu Reeves movies where he plays an assassin who uh, is retired and gets he somehow gets sucked back into um, it's John, the John Wick movies. Somehow gets sucked back into uh, that role and how unemotional he appears in that role. Uh, and it's really interesting to me because Keanu Reeves. Um, in real life is presented as being very emotionally available and caring. And yet somehow he's playing these, you know, these John Wick roles where um, the opportunities for being caring are fewer and far between. We're just going to leave it at that. Well, most men, they may watch and admire a John Wick type character, but let's face it. If we were to live like that in our day-to-day -day lives, with that kind of channeling of rage and suppression of emotion and refusal to be vulnerable and willingness to kill and single-mindedness, we would be labeled as toxic. And so even though men have these kinds of feelings, they can't really slip into them. They can't really allow them to come to the surface. And so what they do, what men do, because they can't, they don't tap so easily always those vulnerable feelings even married men, I'm not just talking about divorced men, is they, many of us have put on this nice guy persona. And what I love about the nice guy persona is it's a service persona. The nice guy is in service to his family. And this is a really important piece that we're going to talk about more as we develop this series, what it means to truly be in service as opposed to wear a persona of service. But this nice guy persona is one in which we're always going to be accommodating. It's probably the best word. There's a whole generation of guys who've grown up with the idea that aggression is bad, particularly in men, because it's scary, and that they need always present a persona of reasonableness and accommodation. And the problem with this persona is it's often at the expense of being emotionally connected uh, and authentic. And over time in a marriage, in particular, the nice guy persona will become an irritant Let's, because women are not attracted to men because they're just because they're nice guys. They're attracted to them because they like the strengths of a man, just as men like the strengths of a woman. You know, women's brains are wired one way, men's brains are wired another. We talked about in the last episode. And when those strengths are leaned into, there's synergy. But when men start wearing the nice guy persona, they discount or discard the innate strengths of this, their brain structure. Um, they become less linear. They are bowing and accommodating and they start showing up as needy, right? And nobody wants to be in a relationship with someone who's needy, no one. So the pitfall of this, the strength of the nice guy persona is that they're not toxic. 
in that sense of being aggressive uh, and overbearing and superior. The weakness of the nice guy affect syndrome behavior is that there's an overcompensation for feelings of aggression. There are suppressed emotions uh, and often they're being taken for granted and even discounted. And here's why the nice guy persona doesn't work is because very often underneath the accommodation are emotions, roiling, broiling emotions, sometimes fear, sometimes there's hurt underneath it. And women are super sensitive to emotion. I'll give you an example from my own life. The other day um, I, w- I was at dinner and my wife and I were having a light level disagreement. And I said, okay, you're right. And I said it in a way that told her that I didn't really believe it. And it actually made her angrier when I said she was right. Oh, no, no, I agree. No, not going to argue with you. That actually pissed her off more because there was, she felt like I, I wasn't listening to her. She felt like I was discounting her. Now, but that was a great example. I, I was being a nice guy. No, I'm not going to make any trouble. Yeah, if that's it. Okay, I'm going to go along with it. And underneath it was my own belief uh, not loving feelings, uh, some, uh, cynical amusement, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a lack of love. It just wasn't, it was, I was being playful in a kind of a cynical way and she picked on it up on it right away. Right. And this is kind of the problem with being a nice guy, being accommodating is when the feeling under it is not loving, empathetic, caring, connected, then it really doesn't matter how you act. Because the way you're being is a trigger for your wife who's super sensitive to emotion, right? This is why nice guy doesn't work in the long run. It might work in the short run, but it doesn't work in the long run. That's why this episode is called No More Mr. Nice Guy. Because nice guy is actually, in my opinion, more toxic than what we now call toxic masculinity. At least with someone who is exercising toxic masculinity. Hey, I'm a man, and what I says goes, and I da 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 da, and I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. At least we know where that person stands because it's honest. We may not agree with it. It may be at the it may be that they are expressing themselves at the expense of someone else, which is toxic, but we know where they stand. But when someone is being a nice guy all the time, we don't know where they really stand. All we know is this facade that they're putting out, this facade of accommodation, right? It will not work in the long run. All right. So the dilemma that many men face when expressing emotions like fear, hurt, and anger is even though we've moved from the stoicism of the 1950s, there is still on an unconscious level, socially, an expectation that men are going to be strong or at the very least, uh, not overly emotional. And so when we see men who are really fearful, there is a judgment that is made. Or when we see men who are uh, crying all the time or sad all the time uh, just and can't function, there's a judgment that's made. There's still out there in the culture Expressions like when the going gets tough, the tough get going. When you fall off a horse, you get back on it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So even though we've moved into a society where that kind of man is no longer required, we haven't really given men permission to be vulnerable. And men need to be vulnerable just like anyone else. Typically, male vulnerability is expressed within groups of men, you know, within their own peer group and, you know, very private moments. 
But the movement, to complete the movement from men do this, women do that, to we all do the same things, we need to move to a place where there is permission for men to be vulnerable with women and that it is understood that does not mean that they are weak. It does not mean that they are ineffectual. It means that they're having feelings. And there needs to be an understanding that the having a feeling is to learn a lesson. And when we learn the lesson, we grow. This expression of genuine emotion without being branded toxic is a challenge, particularly when men are experiencing anger. And so a lot of the men who I work with, what they are taught to do with their anger is to work it out physically, uh, yell and scream privately, to talk to other people about it, to practice mindfulness, meditation, and prayer. Those are the sort of three roots of um, expressing it. And then when they, the energy is taken out of that emotion, to go express it to their wives using I statements. Hey, honey... Um, I stepped away because I was really frustrated and I've handled that. And I need you to know, though, uh, I feel frustrated when there's no room for me to express my feelings here because I'm having feelings and I'm not sure what to do with them, right? That would be a typical I statement. And by talking about the scarier feelings like frustration, anger, and blame in that way with the emotional energy taken and expressed somewhere else, men can start to express these feelings without being scary. And we talked in the last episode how this challenge of being scary is uh, that men are, you know, the, uh, regardless of the changes in society, men are still physically bigger and still, in, to some extent, carry the protector role, that this is the way to move forward with these emotions with our partners. And it's also the way to end being a nice guy, all right? There's another component to ending being a nice guy. And the other component is that as human beings, men, and I would argue women as well, need to get super clear about their values and principles, the things that they absolutely will not shift or change for, because these are the bedrock for our choices and decisions. And so when, let's just talk about men, since we're talking about nice guy syndrome, when men understand what their principles are as a man in the world, as fathers of children, and as partners in a marriage, well, they understand what the basic principles are that they stand for in those three areas of their lives, they are able to say no without being toxic, right? And this is kind of the end, the solution to the nice guy problem. We don't have to be accommodating. We don't have to agree. The key is to disagree in a way that is respectful and honors the point of view of our partner, which is, let's face it, something men traditionally have not done very well. This is the way to put Mr. Nice Guy to death. And as we continue, this is only episode two in a 10-episode series, as we continue exploring the facets of what makes men the problem and the solution, that's what the series is about, uh, we're going to learn more about how men can better move into a role of strength and authority that is still vulnerable and safe for everyone around them, right? That this is the challenge of men today is how to be leaders without being domineering, without making their partners feel less than, or their kids feel less than, 
how to be leaders because they've earned it, right? That is the challenge of men is to earn the leadership role and to honor that their wives are leaders also in their own ways and in different areas of their lives. So next episode, we're going to talk about the how men can move from stoicism and emotional silence to eloquence. We've touched on it a little bit here. Next episode, we're going to go deep with this. This is going to be juicy. So if you're a guy who is tired of being a nice guy, or if you're a woman who's got a nice guy in their lives, this is the and wants that, them to move to really expressing their feelings, we're going to talk about how this can be done, how to break down those walls, how to really lean into a balance of power while leading into your individual strengths. Um, as always, I'm going to encourage you to share this with people. Comment. Or if you think this is whack, if you think uh, this is not PC, in a lot of ways it isn't, I want to hear about it. Yeah, And um, subscribe. Let me know what you think.